you got your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 4. While you're turning there, I want to remind you of a story. Back in July, many of you might have been paying attention to it. There was a media event that was worldwide that occurred in Thailand. Twelve young soccer players and their 25-year-old assistant coach, they ventured after practice on June 23rd to a well-known cave as a kind of invitation uh, and initiation to new players. They would go deep into the cave and write their name on the wall. And their young monk turned soccer coach was convinced by the young boys to go ahead and venture deep into the cave, not realizing that the whole time they were in there, it was filling with water and they were going to be trapped. And so they went forward and as they tried to turn around and come back, they realized that they were stuck in darkness and in the cold, alone and separated from their families. For days on end, the way that he kept their minds working and their minds being clear was to fill their bellies full of rain flood water and to dig and attempt to dig, knowing the whole time that they could not get out, but at least they would try. Now, after nine days inside the cave with no food, two British technical cave divers found them and began the process of rescuing them. On July 10th, the three days of rescue diving was over and all 13 emerged alive. Amazingly, the only person that died was one of the Thai Navy SEAL divers as he was laying tanks along the route. Now, in the midst of the rescue, the Thai Navy SEALs encouraged the boys to write letters to their families. The common theme, you can go look at them online. One was talking about food, as I can guess you, you probably can understand why they were talking about food. But the bigger theme was, was they wanted to be home. They wanted to be with their parents. And they expressed their sorrow for not telling them about going into the cave. They simply wanted to be home with their parents. But there was no ability to get there without help. The help they needed was for those British divers and the Thai Navy SEALs to go into them, to go to where they were, to dress them in scuba gear, even though none of the children had any scuba experience. And to, in essence, scuba dive for them through the tunnels to get them out so that they could go home with their parents. In the interviews after they were safely rescued, the boys said that when the two British cave divers emerged from the water, imagine nine days of darkness, and out of the water came these two divers with headlamps on. The first thing they saw was that light coming towards them. They said in their interviews, and I quote, that these two divers were their rays of hope. The light that they saw in the darkness gave them hope that they could get home again. The world that existed up until the birth of Christ was much like those young soccer players. We as humans were stuck in darkness alone and without any hope, unable to return to our true home, the abode of God, to dwell with our Father. You see, mankind exists in a state of sin and rebellion from the God that created us. Our hearts and minds are darkened by the lie that we've believed that we can exist and even thrive without a relationship with the Father. But yet we were created to be in relationship with him. And yet we decide to rebel. And so we were cast out. Our first mother and father were cast out from the presence of God, unable to return. And it's cast down to us every generation since. The very way back to him was so darkened and so blocked and so impossible by our inability to save ourselves by our good works that God had to send someone to rescue us. We were left in the dark alone 
and without God. But then God did something miraculous. Our text this evening will speak to it. But the first thing that we can see here is just that God came to rescue us. Take a look with me at Galatians chapter 4, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Galatians 4, starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This Christmas Eve, I want us to walk away with one simple truth. I want us to walk away with the fact that God sent his son to call us home. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God sending his son to call us back into the household of faith, to call us back to the Father. Without Christ, folks, we were like those 12 Thai children in their coach. We were lost and existing in darkness. The book of Isaiah prophesies that when Christ would come, because Isaiah was written before the Gospels, that he would be the ray of light that would bring hope to the world, that he would enter the world to break through the darkness and give us an understanding of truth. This was what Isaiah 9-2 says. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of the government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Just like those British divers reaching out to those children in the darkness, Jesus had come to where we were so that he could lead us back home. Without him, we were not able to get home on our own. He had to clothe us in his righteousness. He had to, in essence, bring us through the passage himself so that we could be viewed by the Father as righteous. And this is what it means there in Galatians 4, that Jesus came, born of a woman under the law. The Son stepped into human flesh as Jesus of Nazareth. He was preexistent with the Father, and yet he stepped into our time and space. And not only did he step into the physical form of a human, but he also took on the curse of humanity with us. The curse of being under the law that exposes our sins against the Father. Yet unlike you and me, Jesus was not born with original sin. He lived in perfect obedience to the Father under the law so that he might fulfill all righteousness. And so that he might be offered as that spotless sacrifice that could take the place of our sin. And wipe away everything you and I have done in defiance against God. He paid the price so that you and I might be forgiven. But notice that it does not stop at simple forgiveness. If it did, the last couple of verses we read here in Galatians, they'd go away. That Christ came, that he died, and that was it. Imagine if that was it. Even then, we could be obliterated into nothing, but God would still be merciful because he wasn't punishing us for what we deserve. It still would have been mercy and grace. 
But instead of that, your loving God and mine, he called us into his family through his son Christ. Not just as people saved that get to hang out with him at a distance, but as his children, his very sons and daughters. Look at what it says there in the end of verse 5. So that we might receive adoptions as sons. And remember that in Greek, the male plural is meant to encompass men and women. And so it could be read so that we might receive adoptions, adoption as sons and daughters. Paul's thought process here is that the very reason that Jesus was sent was to ultimately adopt you and I. That's the ultimate goal of everything that he's done. That he could adopt us into his family. Jesus came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, resurrected, ascended, and was enthroned for one purpose, to save you and forgive you, yes, but so that you might be part of his family. Ultimately, God sent his son to make you his child, to call you home. Ultimately, God sent his son to make you his child. And we know this because the result of being his child, the side effect of being a Christian, is that the Holy Spirit that dwells within us will cry out to God, not as a distant deity, but as Father God himself, as Abba, Father. He is no longer just the title of a deity. He is no longer the genie in a bottle that we go to when we need something fixed. He's more than that. Abba is a name that means something personal. It was used in intimate family relationships. It was used by children who knew they could go to their father for protection, for love, for provision. See, just over 2,000 years ago, the Father God sent his son into this world so that you and I would be adopted into the household of faith. And just over 2,000 years ago, Jesus was adopted by an earthly father named Joseph so that you and I might be adopted by our heavenly father. On that first Christmas day in which Jesus was born, God sent his son to call us home. For those of us that may have trouble understanding the love of the Father to this degree, Jesus told us an amazing parable that many of you probably already know that captures the love of the Father so well. If you're in your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke 15, and we'll look at the prodigal son and the parable about his life. In Luke 15, 11, it speaks of a father with two sons. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless or prodigal living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Question, was this a good pastime for a young Jewish boy? Probably not. Not very kosher, right? And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son, who was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many days, many years, I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. To be able to understand the picture that Jesus is painting, we need to understand the symbols. The Father here is symbolic of God the Father, waiting for those of us who have walked away from him, really all mankind, to come back. The inheritance Jesus speaks of is the kingdom of heaven and really eventually the entirety of all redeemed creation. And the older brother speaks of the heart of the Jewish leaders, angry that Jesus was reaching out to sinners when they had been trying their whole lives to keep the law. Now, the main thrust of the story is that the father is beside himself with joy when a sinner realizes their brokenness, repents, and comes back in humble submission. And he's trying to get this across to the Jewish leaders who are angry that he's sitting with publicans and sinners. But I want to look at this parable from a different angle tonight. You see, in this parable, we can see the heart of the father perfectly. But we can also recognize from this parable that Jesus is the better bigger brother. He's the one that not only went to get the person, but he volunteered to get the younger son and call him back into the household. He didn't stand afar in anger and jealousy. He literally went to get the younger brother. He went to get the prodigal and bring him back. You and I, and really all of mankind have been given the gift of life. And most of us, the vast majority of us want to squander it on a life of prodigal living, living, doing whatever we want, whenever we want. We think we are receiving the gift of our earthly inheritance, but in comparison to our eternal inheritance, it's truly nothing. You see, the younger brother could have waited and could have accumulated more wealth so that when his father finally did pass away and give it to him, he would have had much more. But he gets to such a state of distance from his father that he decides that he can do whatever he wants. And so he begins to live a reckless life of debauchery. You see, this Jewish man got to such a point that he didn't even realize he was a Jewish man feeding pigs. He was in the pig slop. And you see, this prodigal son is you and me. We desire God to bless us now with a life the way that we want to live it. And we disregard our position as his children, and step into anything and everything that would distance us from him. But where the story turns for us is that we have a better big brother. Hebrews chapter 2 says this about Jesus. It says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. 
For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sacrificed all have one, uh, sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Jesus views us as brothers, and he is our older brother who died for us. Jesus is not a brother that stands in judgment, angry that God has shown us grace. But he's a big brother who literally laid down his inheritance, left home to find us, and took our place in the muck and the mire so that we might return home to the Father. Without Christ, the Bible says that we are blind to our sin. Uh, That was what our reading from Titus earlier spoke of. It said, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. That we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But church, Jesus laid down his very life that we might have sight of our sinfulness and repent, much like the prodigal son does. And when Jesus resurrected in victory, he was the first of many, many brethren to be welcomed into the house of the Father. This is what Paul was referring to in 1 Corinthians when he says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, God sent his son to call us home. He sent his son to call us back to the household of faith. Our God has immense love for outcasts and sinners like you and me. All he asks of us is that we turn from the life of defiance we have chosen and embrace him as father through the sacrificial death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Look with me at the statement the son makes in verse 18 of Luke 15. It says, Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This, dear brothers and sisters, is the heart of repentance, the truth of what we have done to a loving father God. But rather than reprimand us and push us aside, look at the heart of your father towards you in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And this is how your father feels towards you. He desires for you to know his love and compassion. He desires for you to be his child in fullness. The father desires to call you home. And this is why Paul could say from Titus 3, but when the kindness and love of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Thanks be to God that he sent his son to call us home as sons and daughters. Amen. In a moment, we're going to take communion. The symbols of bread and the cup that symbolize Christ's body and blood that was given for us in atoning sacrifice. But before we do that, I want to ask you who you find yourself identifying with in this parable. Are you the younger brother who has lived a life in defiance of God? You feel far from the father, face down in the muck of this life. I've been there. Or maybe you are more like the older brother in that you have tried to obey and be moral, but 
You know deep down that your heart is not like the Father's, and you're angry that he is gracious to those that have not been as moral as you. I've been there too. Maybe you've been trying to earn his love. Either position is one we sit in in distance from the Father, one of darkness and isolation. We each need the Son to come and be that ray of light, that ray of hope that saves us from our sin. And so if you have not cried out like the prodigal son in this story, tonight is the night to do so. Right where you sit, Follow his repentant confession and say to God, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is all that's required. Tell him that you are no longer worthy to be called his child, but let him know that based upon the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, you desire to be his child and to call Jesus Lord and Savior. You can do that right where you sit. You don't have to have me intervene or lead you in a prayer. You can do it because Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And if you believe that truth in your heart, turn to God and his people and follow him, then God the Father will receive you as his child, and there will be celebration in heaven. And the words that Paul spoke in Galatians that we began with will come forth from your lips naturally and easily as you cry out not to an unnamed deity, not to just a God, but to Jesus Christ and to Abba, the Father God. The Holy Spirit that dwells within you will draw you as his child and you will know that he is your father and that he has compassion on you. If you're a visitor and tonight you have felt the call to be part of the household of faith, we would love to invite you to be part of Mission Fellowship and to fellowship with us regularly. Or we encourage you to find another household of faith that you can dwell in, a local expression of God's family where you can be a part of his love. We invite you, though, to be loved and cared for here if if that works for you. I pray that this Christmas, each of us might sit in the knowledge of the Father's love and that that love might overflow into our care for one another. I pray that we might truly know that God loves us and that just as we open presents in the morning or this evening, that God gave us the most indescribable gift he could give us. He gave us his Son call us home to be his sons and daughters. God sent his son to call us home.